Welcome back, everyone, to another episode from the Cruise Corner Podcast. As always, this is Lonnie. Joining me on this episode will be Marine veteran Anthony Chapa, who is also the executive producer and host of Black Sheep Bravo, which I highly recommend checking out. So make sure to head on over to Black Sheep Bravo's Facebook page when this is over and check out their schedule for when they go live. It's definitely entertaining, very informative, and just an all-around great show to listen to. I really enjoy doing these episodes where I get the chance to sit down and connect with other veterans. It's a great way to learn about the other perspectives that people have in regards to what they believe is causing the issues for veterans and military personnel and why people are having such a hard time or why uh, the suicide numbers are up where they're at. And what I really appreciate about these interviews is when I get a guest that is just real. Uh, They don't try to hide the struggles that they've gone through to get to where they are. I just love when people are raw and open and honest because I think that's one of the many things that other veterans need to hear or just people in general uh, just hear that other people have survived things like the transition from military to civilian or how others are coping with things like post-traumatic stress and anxiety or major depression, isolation. Uh, I think if you name it, I bet there's a story out there by someone that could really help people through and help people push through their struggles. And that's why it was great having someone like Anthony on the podcast. He doesn't hold back. He gives great advice. And I think his story of what led him to the talk show he now does and uh, just kind of how things were after the military is a story that many of us know or at least understand quite well. And we also have the chance to discuss some of the ways that we cope and talk to ourselves when we have those tough moments when the inner dialogue is kind of turning negative and trying to take over. Uh, This is definitely an episode that you'll want to listen to from start to finish. So without any further delay, this is episode 22. As always, thanks for joining me on the Cruise Corner Podcast. All right, Anthony, thanks for coming on. Uh, Really, it's just opening up if you want to talk about your military background if you want to start with i know you run black sheep bravo it's kind of taking it off where you want to start off do you want to start from the beginning or the end or well (laughs) it all started when i was like six years old i was kind of overweight and kids used to make we we don't want to go that far do we Uh, if you want to anything goes here that'll (laughs) you'll definitely lose you'll definitely lose uh listeners that way no i um nothing really I guess it's kind of like the typical story. Uh, most veterans, uh, I was in high school. I uh, was really active. I was the fun guy, you know, I was active in sports, active in clubs. And um, I just, uh, there was something in me that didn't feel right, that I, I didn't have it, right? I mean, I was in honors classes. I was, you know, uh, honor, uh, honor society, uh, different, you know, different shit like that. But it, it just didn't feel right. And so uh, a buddy of mine said, hey, I'm going to go to the Marine uh, recruiter uh, just to go you know, talk to him. And I'm like, dude, you're an idiot. You don't want to join the Marines. They're, they're, that's the worst, that's the worst uh, branch that you know you're, when the shit hits the fan, they're going to send you, man. You don't want to join the Marines. And he's like, oh, no, no, come on, man. They have a buddy system. Why don't you, you, know, why don't you come with me? And I, at that point, I already had, I was already lined up. You know, my senior year of high school, I was lined up to go to Western Illinois University um, to study pre-med. Yeah, pre-med, go figure. And uh, 
I just, my parents were just, you know, everybody was getting on my nerves. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him up on his offer. I'm going to go just listen to the recruiter. Well, you know how every recruiter, you just smooth talk, right? I, I wasn't going to sign anything. I knew I had my heart set. I'm not going to sign any contract, nothing. You know, I'm not going to listen. I'm just going to, I was going to go to listen. And sure as shit, I, uh, I got hooked, man. He started talking the, the words I needed to hear. And uh, I don't know, a couple months later, I'm in the delayed entry program. I get sent to uh, San Diego for boot camp, you know, MCRD San Diego. I'm a Hollywood Marine. I, I, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm proud of it. I loved it. I love California. It was beautiful. Um, but yeah, after that, uh, I chose to be uh, into the, uh, my, my MOS was 4421, legal service specialist. I, uh, I figured if I was going to join the military, I wanted to have a plan that once I got out, I wanted to fall back on something. So, I mean, I took a lot of time and effort to really plan this out. It, I had a choice, either intelligence or legal. And I figured, well, you know, Marines are bad. They're badasses. Uh, I know when I go, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be squared away. I'll have the discipline. The original goal was to uh, get as much experience in the core as possible and then go to college, you know, get, get out, go to college and pursue whatever I wanted to pursue. At that time, it was uh, to become a lawyer. So long story short, uh, after I got all settled in in the fleet, the Persian Gulf War, uh, Desert Shield started. And uh, I was part of the first wave that went, uh, or the second wave actually that went. And um, I was there from November to till June. So I was there a little over nine months. And, um, and um, yeah, it was uh, when I got out, uh, I spent two, two, about three years. I got out a little early. Uh, while I was there, I was uh, exposed to some of the hazards that we found out later that it was pretty pretty bad for us. Uh, I was doing a lot of burn pits, uh, the oil fields uh, that uh, we were patrolling, yeah. you know, just fire. It was just, uh, we were breathing in all that shit. We, don't, we didn't know. We were drinking water. We found out, I found out uh, a few years later that the water supply that we were drinking was poisoned. We didn't know it. I mean, the, an intelligence report had come that uh, the water that we were drinking and using had been poisoned. So it was like, wow, I'm learning all this stuff. And things started to kind of fall into place as years went on. I never, when I got out, I never went to the VA. I figured I'm done. You know, my military uh, obligation is over. It's time to get back to work and uh, just never followed back, never followed up on it. So um, I just, uh, as soon as I got out of the core, it was to work. I needed to find work. I, um, man, I had so many jobs. I um, started off as a carpenter assistant and ended up a police officer, but there was like 50 jobs in between that, you know, it's uh, just like, just like anybody else coming back home, you got to just try whatever works. Right. So I was trying everything. I mean, roofing, carpentry, uh, sales. There was one time I was selling, uh, I was selling dishware for a, uh, for a company door to door. I used to carry a suitcase full of dishes and go to like these wedding conventions. I, I hated that job. I hated sales. <laughs> Oh my God, I hated it. But you I mean, I just needed to do whatever it took to win. And yeah. uh, it took me to law enforcement. So that's where I found my next, uh, my next love of life was, was law enforcement. Seems like a lot of vets kind of go that direction. Especially, I know a lot of Marines that went the law enforcement route. Just, yeah, I don't know if it yeah, resonates it, closely to kind of what you're used to, or just, I know some of them just said like i just like carrying a gun again <laughs> like it was like, all yeah. the, way down the most no. simple thing 
No, I think for me, it was more of the, the sense of obligation to duty and commit and, you know, I, again, community. I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I was brainwashed. I don't know. I just, when I came back, I just didn't know. I, I, my temp, my anger was, was a factor. Uh, I, I just couldn't tolerate bullshit. I just, uh, that's why every job I had didn't work out. I was just, people just set me off. And um, when my buddy I went to boot camp with, he was a comp and he, uh, I ran into him at a wedding and I'm like, Hey, what are you up to these days? And he said, I'm a cop. He's like, you should do it. So I did, you know, I applied uh, several places, got, uh, and I got, uh, I got hooked up with a police department and the rest, I just stayed with it. You know, I moved around a couple of police departments and uh, it was something that uh, at least I, I think I enjoyed it. I think that's, I think that's the proper statement to say at the time. I think I enjoyed it because it kept me moving. I used to work midnights and uh, you know, at midnight, it can get slow, and then all of a sudden, bam! At the flip, yeah. you know, flip of a switch, you got a call, and that kept me going. That had, I think it was the 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 anticipation of the adrenaline rush of that call, and I think that's why I was so addicted to that. It was the I was addicted to the I guess the unknown, the the anticipation of what's to come. That's what kept me moving. And then you studied clinical mental health, didn't you? At least that's what I think I, I stalked on your Facebook. Yes. Thank you for stalking me. Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah, I did. I, when one of my, um, well, no, it was one of my COs. He was, um, he was a lawyer, but his original, he was a grunt. He was actually an enlisted. He started off enlisted. He was an 0311 and he uh, worked his way and became a captain. Uh, and he told me one day while we were doing a patrol and he said, uh, and he called me Tony. I was kind of weird that he called me my, my first name. And he says, look, I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing more lethal than an educated Marine. And, he, and, and then he even said, you know, that could be applied to anyone, but education is key. And he's like, uh, if you could study whatever it is you want, that's going to get you, a, that's going to give you the advantage or the edge. He was always talking about Sun Tzu. He, he was, I never heard of Sun Tzu in the art of war until I met him. And uh, he kept harping on it. So he said, when you get back to the States, I want you to go to the library or go to the bookstore and I want you to buy the art of war. And so, um, and so I did. And uh, when we got back and he, those words resonated and uh, I remember going to the, going to the, uh, to the clinic, uh, the, the VA or not the VA hospital, the, uh, the base hospital, the Naval hospital. And when they told me all the stuff that was wrong with me, I was devastated. I'm like, man, this, this can't be right. You know, I, I, I played by the rules. I did everything that was asked of me. And uh, then his words clicked. He's like, you know what? Just, just educate yourself. Um, so yeah, I was diagnosed with PTSD, major depression. And, uh, so I, I decided that I'm going to, I'm going to understand it. Um, if I'm going to understand the enemy, I need to really, really dig deep. So yeah, I, I, I got my, I already had my, um, I got my degree while I was a cop, a bachelor's degree. And a few years ago, um, I don't know, about six, seven, seven years ago, I finally made the commitment to work on my, my, uh, graduate degree and went to Purdue. Boiler up! And uh, got my uh, got my master's in, in uh, clinical mental health counseling, and it's it has helped not only me understand it better, um, but it's given me, I guess, more purpose uh, or a cause to help others who are struggling with PTSD and depression. Um, yeah, it takes one to know one kind of a kind of a rule of thumb, I guess. So, yeah, when I first got out of the army, I immediately went into school because I'd already had an associate's before I joined, and so I just yeah. went kind of started off where I left and it started off with psychology because I had 
uh, a month before I got out of the army, one of my buddies committed suicide. He had got out a few months mm -hmm. before me. And there's this idea of, yeah. I want to understand where I went wrong and I need to know what the signs are and I need to understand this more. And I went through it for a while and then I ended up having stuff happen to me after the military that kind of broke me down because I thought the military's were for sure I'll get broken and I didn't. So I didn't think anything outside of that was gonna, you know, cause something like PTSD stuff I associated with combat right, yeah. and stuff like that. And then I ended up in a domestic situation and I shied away from the psychology because it got to a point where I was like, I don't want to know anymore because it was like, ah, oh, I see myself in all the pages. And so I backed out and I went for like some liberal art bullshit thing. But uh, <laughs> it was that idea of when I went into it was I wanted to understand what was happening to the veteran community. And so after I finished, I went back to it, started learning a little bit more, especially when I was starting Cruise Corner because I needed to have an understanding that was beyond mm. just my own perspective of it. Yeah, that's, that's key. And I think, I mean, I guess I would call myself fortunate that I was able to have the, the right leadership, I guess, when, when in the core, um, man, I had some great leaders and they taught me, man, they taught me a lot of things, uh, things that they don't teach you in college, in school, your parents. I mean, it was just, it was, uh, on the job training, so to speak, I guess you would have to call it. And, um, you know, and that's the one thing that I tell veterans today when, you know, when I, when I see them and, you know, we, we kind of kind of talk about what's going on in our lives and they always start off, yeah, man, you know, I'm having a rough time. And I, and I always start off with asking, well, what's going on? Tell, tell me what's going on. And most of the stuff they tell me that is bothering them is really stuff that's really outside their control. You know, like, like stuff that, that normally would not set them off, but it just does. And I says, look, man, you're, you're a veteran. All right. For one, you're, you're, you've gone, first let me back up. First of all, you took an oath. You took an oath to, to defend our country from threats, foreign and domestic. They send you to this place somewhere in the United States to train you how to become a better soldier, a better sailor, a better Marine, a better aimer, whatever it is you signed up for. They're going to teach you the basics, hence the word basic training. You get, you you, you become a number, you become on level playing ground, they shave your, they shave your head, they, they teach you the, the values, the core uh, value of the military lifestyle, and you adapt and improvise, and you, you, you move on. You get out of boot camp, you find your specialty, you find out what your job is in the military, and you go about doing it. Sometimes you may have to be uh, deployed, and uh, you may have to do things you're not ready to do, but that's why it's called the military. And when when I, when I talk to these guys and girls about their experiences, the one commonality that I'm finding is the adaption, the, or the adaptation phase of, or the element of trying to adapt back to civilian life. And I said, we have been pounded for, well, at least for the Marines, 12 weeks of boot camp of saying, adapt and improvise, adapt and improvise. You guys are winners, blah, blah, you know, whatever it is. Same thing with the Army, same thing with the Navy. We have been told this, we have been programmed. And that's why I, I tell them, revert back to that. Go back to the basics, man. I mean, we're supposed to be elite. We're the 7% of the population that has the most training, the most experience to be the best than the average citizen. So I have to remind people, remember that. We're the elite. We're the elite 7%. Do not. Do not let things dictate your, your day or your, your demeanor, your manner, your, your vision, your course, your mission, whatever it is. Go back to the basics, man. And, uh, you know, it's when they finally hear that, they're like, 
man, yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess so. And it's, it's really, we get so wrapped up in the now, you know, we get so wrapped up well, what's happening now, especially now with this pandemic, you know, I, I, I'm sure it's very stressful for a lot, but hell, we've been through worse as veterans. I mean, this is, this is really, this shouldn't be really nothing different. However, now you probably got families. Um, but yeah, it always goes back to, I always like to encourage people to remember we are, we are leads, man, no matter who says or does anything to us, we've earned the title, you know, whether yeah. it's Marine army, we, um, we did the work. So be proud of that and continue that mission that you don't have to advertise it. You don't have to shove it down people's throat, but in, you know, deep down inside, have that cause, have that element of why am I here? Why did I make it this far? And what can I do to better myself? Forget about others. I'm just going to tell people that right now, but focus on yourself. You got to be a little, no, you got to be a lot selfish these days Yeah. because when all is said and done, the only person that's going to watch your six really is yourself because other people got their own shit to deal with. So the sooner, you know, the sooner people understand that, yes, you have a support system, but you got to, you, you got to use that same type of, you know, that vigor, that, that, I don't know what you call it, anger, uh, motivation to work on yourself because without yeah. yourself, you know, if you're supposed to be leading your family, leading your friends, leading your job, whatever it is, you, every one of us has a leadership role and, um, man, I'm really going off on us. I'm really going off. <laughs> but anyway, that's, um, you know, that's my, really my, my words of wisdom when I do meet veterans and they're, 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 they're having a hard time and, and I, and I hope that helps. So I know for me, when I first got out, I had this idea when I was going through like the ACAP progress, or I guess it's uh, soldier for life now or whatever that process is. But, uh, it was kind of like, you know, I got all these skills. I'm going to do fine. Like if I can yeah. survive this, you know, if I can go to a combat deployment, I can do anything. And then I got out and I was alone. And in that time of being isolated, I got in my head and it got to that point where I was like, I will never be as good as I was when I was in a uniform. And I just got stagnant. Like I just couldn't get myself to do anything. And then I people from my old unit that were committing suicide and it started getting in my head like is that is that the way to go is that this is all we have like you serve and then that's your life it's over you know so uh, I think it was the loneliness that got to me and so I know a lot of people even with like the whole quarantine situation the isolation comes back yeah. and that was my biggest worry of what's going to happen when I realize my brain clicks and it's like I'm alone again and so it was that idea of like let's not go back there. <laughs> so right. uh, dig for dig a little further, like you said. And that's why I started telling people, I'm like, if the quarantine's difficult, think about deployment. Think about our training out in the field. Think about the stuff yeah. we've done. We've done this before. You know, yeah. we've run out of toilet paper. We've run out of water supply and food. We've been isolated and taken away from our families before. We had each other, which we have technology now to still stay connected. Like we're not completely cut off from everyone. Yep. But it's like a lot yeah. of us have done this before so you know covid's the enemy this time <laughs> so. mm -hmm. yeah i know <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's scary yeah so what led you to starting black sheep bravo great question all right here is the uh here's the made for after school special edition part of it it all really started with um it really started with my my attempt to end my own life I was so, I had hit rock bottom. I mean, I, it was a time in my life where I was just so 
disappointed in myself. Yeah, I mean, every, every negative emotion a human can, it can imagine, I was experiencing it. And it got to the point where I was looking at my Glock 40 cal, getting ready to put it to my, uh, to my head. And uh, as I was doing that, something I looked up, I remember looking at a spot on the wall and it, something just, uh, I just started crying, right? I mean, at that point, I was so out of tears. I was crying every day. I mean, it was, it was to the point where my body ached. I couldn't eat. I wasn't eating. Uh, I was a mess. And my wife was just beyond worried. And uh, I had sent them away to go, you know, go grocery shopping. Uh, we, were, we were pretty broke at the time. I mean, we were, we were, we were on the verge of homelessness. I had lost my job about a year ago. I couldn't find work. And then, like I said, all these, all these thoughts came back, all these negative thoughts. Uh, I was doubting myself. So there I was. And it, I just stopped. You know, for some reason, I stopped and I said, wait a second. Someone's going to come and see this. And who is it going to be? My wife and my kids. So I said, I can't do that to them. So rationale took place. I don't know what, what it was, but, you know, in some cases, some, some people are experiencing major depression, don't have that, that, that small bit of the, oh, what if part? Well, that's, it, was a, it was a graphic image, but that was the image I had in my mind that seeing, seeing my wife walk into the room with my body on the ground, I'm like, now I can't leave that image for them. So I decided to go into the woods. So I was taking a walk out into the woods and um, again, trying to find the right place. And this dog, a pit bull, mind you, a pit bull was, was following me and I thought it was gonna attack me. So I'm like thinking about, oh, is this dog gonna, is this dog gonna, gonna take me out right here? Maybe it's, maybe it's the best thing. So this dog was kind of, I just, I was walking. I was walking this, this uh, nature path uh, here in the suburbs and I was just walking and I ended up at some gas station and uh, I told this lady that was pumping gas, like, hey, look, this dog is following me. I don't know, I'm, I'm not from this area. Can someone call the police and see if we can get this dog? Anyway, I was so worried about, I was more worried about the dog than my own self, right? So that, that tells you something. I, um, so they called the police, but that woman said, you know, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. She's like, no, you don't look okay. And it was just weird when she, she the next thing she said is you're experiencing a lot, you're experiencing a lot of hurt, aren't you? And I just started crying again, all right? And, and again, this was a stranger. I had no idea, but I guess I must have looked so damn out of it that this lady just knew. And so again, that was my second attempt. So the next day, the next day I, uh, I go to work. I was working for a, uh, at the time I was working for, uh, I was a case manager working for, with uh, troubled kids, or I think it was troubled kids or troubled fathers or trying to reconnect fathers to their kids. It was, you know, it was, it was a decent job, but I, I just didn't, it wasn't me. I, I didn't like it. And one of the uh, territories that I had was, was a pretty rough area. I mean, it was pretty gang infested. Uh, I would say infested, but I mean, there was a lot of reports of gang crime activity and, you know, shootings and murders. And that next day I went to that area. I didn't have a, I didn't have a case there. I just wanted to go there hoping that maybe I could, my, my, my third plan, my third attempt would be, would be it. And uh, yeah, I, I tried my best to, uh, you know, uh, start a fight with some, a group of uh, who I thought were gang members. I thought they were there and um, they didn't buy it. You know, I was even telling them, I'll even pay you if you guys kill me. I mean, it was, it was that, I didn't have any money, but uh, it was just, I was that desperate. I was just, I had hit, like I said, I had hit so hard. I just couldn't face my family again. And then all of a sudden it just started pouring down rain. It just, it, I mean, opened up. 
And again, I'm looking up, I'm like, man, I can't do anything right. You know? So it was like, it was at that point where it's like, man, you're just, you're just a real fuck up, Tony. I mean, you can't even do this right. So I get back in the car and I head back home and my wife is sitting there waiting. And she said, we got to go someplace. She took me to a vet center and that vet center took me to the VA hospital and that VA hospital, man, there was about seven people in my team um, that took, that took me and I was overwhelmed. I mean, I, again, I was crying when they took me to that second floor of that hospital and I saw the doors where it said, you know, this is a locked unit. I knew it was real and it, it was so clinical looking, you know, they, they, they gave me a gown, I, you know, these, these slippers, these paper slippers, my bed was metal. I mean, it was weird. It was really weird. And I just, that first night I couldn't stop crying. And uh, the doctor the next morning had said, man, we've been waiting for you. And I'm like, what? He's like, it's been over 20 years. We, would, we, finally, we finally get to meet you. And, you know, he's reading my history. And again, the tears are just rolling. And uh, again, they set me up with so many people. And it just felt so good to have so many people care for you. You know, like these yeah. strangers didn't even know me for nothing. And, and they told me it was going to be all right. And I didn't, they didn't know me. And I'm like, how do you know it's going to be all right? And during, it was during that stay that, uh, you know, all these things happened, visions. I was having these, these dreams and, uh, you know, these good, these good visions, I would say, these, these visions of like just hope, I guess. And when I got out, uh, I had to do a follow-up with my psychiatrist and he said, look, you need something to keep you busy. I'm like, like what? He's like, well, you got a great voice. Why don't you uh, do podcasting? Or, you know, do something with, with your voice, do look into doing voiceovers, look at whatever, do, you have something there, don't waste it. And so I said, all right, what the hell, why not? And um, so I started playing around and um, met up with a couple of guys and I said, hey, how would you guys like to just, you know, just play around with a microphone? And uh, we did, there was just a couple of us, again, they were kind of beat up, they were kind of, you know, they've had their fair share of dealing with their own demons. So it kind of felt, felt right. And uh, that's where Black Sheep Bravo was born. It was, uh, it was more of a, a project prescribed by my VA psychiatrist. And that was four years ago, and we're still, we're still doing it. So I always tell people when they ask, you know, what is Black Sheep Bravo? And I always tell them it's a therapy project for me. I go, it's, um, it, is my, it is my prescription. It is, this is what keeps me, keeps me smiling. This is what, and, and hopefully this is what keeps others smiling. And I tell people it's, it's meant for others who are hurting. And if I can make them laugh, smile, or think and keep them from not thinking of the negative shit, especially suicide, then you know what? My mission, my mission is, is on the right path. Yeah. That's kind of how I fell into starting cruise corner was I needed something to save myself. Yeah. And I thought, well, if I could do this to save me, maybe it can save somebody else listening. And I yeah. kind of went into it thinking, I'll be lucky if one to two people listen to like if anyone wants to hear what I have to say, uh, just some female soldier or whatever. It's like, you know, what could she possibly know about what guys go through in combat or something like that? Cause I was in before women could go to combat arms. So I figured, you know, people aren't going to take me serious, but mm -hmm. maybe someone will hear it. And yeah. it actually came together over, uh, I met up with a buddy of mine who was actually an NCO in my unit and uh, still in the area and we would go to Applebee's and have a beer and we just got to bullshitting about it. And I was like, I have this idea, you know, I want to run it by you. And it was like, you got to do it. And he kind of helped me get it out to some people and people started reading it. And it's like, thanks for just showing me that someone else is going through it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it was like, 
I didn't really have words of encouragement or anything like that. I just wanted to show that I have this story and I'm, I'm still surviving. I'm still here. And you know, you can keep going and you're not alone. Somebody knows that story and someone's already been through it most likely. So that if you do talk about it, you know, someone out there is going to hear it and they can either resonate, they can tell you how to get through it, how they got through it, all that. And so it's just kind of to build this connection just to get people to open up. Cause I wanted, especially on the soldier end, knowing that you weren't supposed to talk about it in the military. It's like, we're not there anymore. You can talk about this. You're, you know, you don't have like some toxic leadership that's going to tell you to shut up right. and bury it and go back out to duty or something. Yeah. No, that's, it's still, um, and, and the sad thing is, as, as much, and as many programs and, um, I don't know, help and resources that's out there, it still doesn't seem, you know, it doesn't seem like people are really taking advantage of it enough. I don't know. I, it's whenever I hear somebody that's going through a rough time, they say, you know, call the, the veterans suicide hotline. That's great too. But you know, you don't always have to do that. You just call a friend really. I mean, you know, a friend that you know will answer the phone that you know that'll answer the phone. And two, they're probably going through the exact same stuff. I mean, I didn't realize when I first started Black Sheep Bravo, I thought it was me. I thought I was the only one experiencing the sleepless nights, getting up, you know, middle of the night for no reason. Uh, always going, going, you know, when I go to the restaurants or, or in public places, I was always pissed off. I, I can, you know, my wife was always on edge, like walking on eggshells around me. And I'm like, man, what, what the hell, man? Where, where is the pursuit of happiness that we hear so much about? And um, so finally I said, enough's enough, man. I, I got to change my tune. I got to change the frequency. And that was where, um, I don't know, I, that, that's when I finally realized I started writing. I mean, I, I was like writing like a fiend when I was at the VA hospital. I mean, I was, I, I still remember the first day I was there and I went to the first group and they said, just start, just start writing. And I remember seeing uh, my writing was so tiny, tiny and tight. And then now I write really big. And I remember going back to that, I'm like, man, that, you know, if, if that was given to a psychologist or some medical professional and, and they were to see that and analyze the writing, they would have, they would have definitely known this is a telltale sign that someone has screwed up, man. He has really got some issues. And I was like, wow, look at that. And I, would, I would show my wife and I would, I think one of these days I'm actually going to frame it. You know, it was, it was something that I was, that I wrote, but it was like, I mean, it was almost like type, like the lowest type setting. And I was like, how the hell did I even write that small? I don't think I could do that now, but uh, it was just, it was just, intriguing to know that recovery from anything, especially PTSD and depression, it's a journey. I mean, it's, it's something that you're going to have to work on. It's never going to, well, I shouldn't say never go away. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where you adapt and improvise on a daily basis. It's, there's no magic pill. There's no magic remedy. There's no magic, you know, whatever it is you want, it's not going to, you're not, it's not out there yet. I, I haven't found it. I've been looking, trust me. I've been looking, I've been searching, um, you know, whether it's that pool you jump into and all of a sudden you're cured, it's not there. Okay. It's really not there. It comes back to individual. It comes back to, to you remember. And I would tell people, well, what do you love most, you know, and, and start there. Or if, if, when you start feeling down and, and you, you're having regret, imagine if you're, if, if you have all of your five senses, re imagine if you did not have this one of your senses with you, like imagine if you didn't have sight and then they start thinking like, well, so what I go, no, man let's open up this window and you know, like for example, one of my, this guy that called me, I said, you, you just had a newborn, right? He's like, yeah. I said, well, how does she look? Well, she looks beautiful, man. She's like an angel, man. She's the, 
she's the star son of, you know, she's the star of my, my eyes. She, you know, he was just ecstatic. He was so much, you know, so much joy in him. And I go, imagine if you couldn't hear or see her and then tell me how you would feel. He was like, damn, bro, that's deep. I'm like, yeah, it's gotta be deep, man. So, you mean, you know, it, it's, it's going to be hard to imagine that. And, and there's, there are ways to think around that and, and put things in perspective. I think that's the word I'm looking for is perspective. If you could put things into perspective, it helps. It helps getting you through that dark time, I, I think. Yeah, for sure. I know for me, I journaled going into the military. I kind of used the letter writing home in basic as my start. I was basically just writing out my day yeah. with my mom intended as the recipient, but it was basically just kind of cataloging everything we did through the day. It was just schedules yeah. and stuff. And it carried over and I did it during uh, going to Afghanistan because like I said, I had gotten, had an associate's degree before I went in and I had kind of had a touched in psychology and all this stuff. And I was really worried about going to a combat zone because I thought I was going to lose myself there. And so it became kind of this project of I'm going to start writing the day I get there and I'm going to see how my writing changes by the end because I need to know yeah, if cool. I changed because I was always kind of a reserved person and I didn't really feel like I could talk to anyone even before going into the army. So that just got hammered in more. So it was really just always trying to figure out how to get myself out of stuff. Even though I had a battle buddy now, it was still yeah. always down to me. And so I have all these journals of just stuff I used to be like, how did it change? And it's like, well, I got really sarcastic by the end. That's really dark humor. That's kind of fucked up. That's like, yeah. it's all the stuff. But it was like, at the end of it, it was like, but I'm still me. Like, that's still me there. And so I felt comfortable when I came home, even though I had a hard time finding my place in the world coming back. I had to kind of like reintegrate into my marriage after being gone for nine months. But it was like, I knew I was still me after all mm -hmm. of it. And I held on to that and I write all the time. And that's why like I was putting out like I need an editor because I've just been pouring this stuff yeah. out and it's like, it's time to share it. But it's, uh, it's amazing how much you can put things into perspective for yourself because you're kind of taking yourself out of it. And so it's like, I didn't always have someone to talk to. And that's kind of, again, what Cruise Corner became was I had to build a community because I didn't have anyone I could call to talk to when I was at a low. So it was yeah. like, I need to find veterans that would understand my low to where they wouldn't hang up if I needed to call or I put something out so they're not uncomfortable and stuff like that. So I highly recommend people try the whole journaling thing and write and just not even try to think about what you're going to write, just write. Yeah. And even the other thing I uh, even added to that is if, if people don't like to write, you know, um, we're in the day of technology with cameras, do a video journal, do a video log, just, you know, sit in front of the camera and with headphones or not even just sit there and just talk, talk, talk as if, I don't know, whatever, just talk. And then you'd be surprised, come back a year later and, and review that and see, man, yeah, what the hell was I going through? That helps yeah. too. You know, I did that it. when I came back from Afghanistan, I would sit in my car with a voice recorder on my phone Yeah, that's and I would just reason. talk about like, how I felt because it was the day I came back to post for the first time. And I, I was talking about how, why does everything look the same, but I feel so different. Like yeah. my, my environment says nothing's changed, but I know something has. And so I was kind of like trying to like analyze this situation, but I ended up losing that phone to whatever. Like I think it got smashed or something. So it's yeah. like, I lost all that stuff. So I could never yeah. go back to like really look at it, but I had all these recordings and it's just talking because sometimes it's easier to just talk, just vent 
even if yeah. no one's there, than to like try to sit there and actually like coordinate sentences on a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, even if talk, I tell people too, I, all right, I'm going to come clean here. I, I talk to myself a lot. All right? I don't know if oh, other yeah. people do it. I talk to my, I mean, I have like drawn out like fucking uh, debates with myself sometimes. Um, but it helps. It really does help because one, who knows you better than you? So you have a conversation with yourself and do it out loud. I mean, if you can, without feeling embarrassed, I, I highly recommend doing that because then you hear yourself talking and then you're like, Man, that kind of sounds, you know, that kind of sounds silly. Why, why am I, why am I thinking like that? And it always comes back to toxic thinking or whatever, whatever it is that it's bugging you. It, it comes out and then you hear it and you're like, yeah, I think I'm maybe overreacting and yeah, you know, maybe I'll try this or take, maybe I'll take his, you know, his suggestion and try that, or maybe I should be a little nicer to her, you know, whatever it is, it's that it, you hear it and you kind of, you kind of tend to make better decisions that way, I guess. At least, at least it's worked for me. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. I'm, telling you. Yeah, I def I'm definitely one of those people that talks out loud a lot. My daughter probably just thinks I'm crazy or whatever. She's just learned to kind of ignore it. My dog ignores it later, but she just ignores it. But I've definitely worked out a lot of stuff where I feel like I'm in a situation I don't have control over or everything's just going to shit. And I yeah. talk about it and you kind of figure out the solution in it by just letting it out. And I'm one of those people, like I said, I get in my head a lot. And so I have whiteboards all over my house that have messages yeah. about stuff yeah. where it's just like, don't let that get you down. You're going to yeah. get through that because I'll find myself so I'm sitting there and I start getting into that negative thinking and I can't always talk myself out of it. And then I see those messages and it's like, that's right. That's yeah. what I need to do. And it just immediately puts a blockade up against that negative thought. And it's just like, nope, don't go down that route. Stay right yeah. here. It's going to be good. So. That's great. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great, uh, a great uh, idea to have those posts, you know, write stuff on, on whiteboards or have pictures of inspiration. I mean, I know it sounds, you know, kind of cliche or cheesy, uh, but it works, man. It really does work. And uh, you know, that old saying, if you surround yourself with, you know, whatever good people or whatever, you, you tend to feel good about yourself. Same thing applies in your own living surroundings. If uh, at least it's worked for me, you know, I try to, put up posters or pictures of, of happy things, you know, cats hanging from a, from a branch saying, Hey, in there, you know, shit like that. Uh, well, yeah. Have that. But yeah, it works. It definitely works. So I got to ask, cause you know, I said I was going through, I usually go through people's Facebook before I come on just because I try to get a general idea of yeah. some stuff I could ask. Are you a Salvador Dali fan? I am. I, really I noticed do. he pops up quite a bit in your stuff. I saw the, the mustache. The mustache stuff yeah. I was lazy today. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to really, cause I got choring to do. I figured what's the point The chickens aren't going to care what I look like. So yeah, um, I did. I high school, I think it all started in high school. I took a, a humanities class or art appreciation and I was introduced to Salvador Dali and I was like, damn, that's a crazy motherfucker. I like this dude. And he's, yeah. uh, he's been my, he's been part of me ever since. Yeah. I was introduced to him in my, uh, I think it was my freshman, freshman year of high school, uh, and not just him, the whole surrealist thing, everything, yeah. that was stuff that oh, they yeah. definitely weren't showing in uh, earlier art classes. And so when I went into college, that's where I went was fine arts and stuff. So he was a big uh, inspiration for me. And I just love surrealism because it's just like the chaos of the, when you look at it, there's so much to see in it. And uh, I lived in Tampa when I was in the reserves and the Salvador Dali Museum was right over the water, over the bay in St. Petersburg. Oh, oh, yeah. And so I got to go over there and check out some crazy stuff. Because I love, like, the burning giraffes and stuff like mm -hmm. that. I, there's some paintings of his that 
uh, I could just stare at for hours. And it's another one of those things. Art is one of those things that has kept me out of my head for many, many years. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if uh, just past this past, what it must've been the holidays. Yeah. It must've been the holidays before all this shit happened with the pandemic. My daughters talked me into going to the art museum in Chicago and I was like, oh, man, you know, I'm one of those guys that likes to be a team player and all. And I was like, um, okay, I guess, I guess I, I guess I'll play along, but man, I you know city of Chicago, it's crowded. The, yeah. You know, I wasn't really looking forward to it, but I'm glad they did. And, and, you know, I, I had to, you know, be a little, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, just go. I just had to just say, just say, fuck it, man. Just go. All right. This is going to be a good day. You don't have to be, uh, you know, on edge. Just, just do the best you can deal with it. Adapt and improvise. Right. And that's what I did. And I'm glad I went, man. Cause there was, there were some beautiful paintings there. And I guess, uh, you know, you know, you can appreciate heart or you could appreciate art when you start to get emotional. You know, there was, there was a few paintings there where I just said, you know, you guys go on ahead. And man, uh, there was, I did, I did not have a dry eye. I was just staring at that and it just, something just sparked. Right. And, um, I wrote about that that night and, um, it was something that's like, why, why did I experience that? Why did I cry? Why did I find that picture emotional? Why, why did it, why did it cause me to do that? And it was like a self-evaluation. You know, it was like I was sitting in my chair as a psychologist looking at myself, asking me those questions. And it, it came back down to, it was just all the regret, you know, all, all the wasted time I had thinking of negative stuff. And when I saw that picture, it was, it was something, you know, it, didn't, it didn't even spark anything military. It was like a, it was a picture of a, a huge painting. I mean, it was huge. It was a Renaissance art, uh, part of the Renaissance art. And it was huge. And it was just uh, the hunter. It was, I think it was called the hunter's table. And it was, had all these animals um, that, like rabbits and a chicken that was, that was hunted. And, and all this. it was just beautiful. But there was something about that that it just made me start to feel emotional. And it, when I came back home, I realized it was just, it came back to the appreciation of life at its lowest, simplest form. I know it sounds really stupid, but I, it, I realized that, man, I've been so... I've been so anger and bitter and just pissed off at the world just for no goddamn reason. And I missed out on opportunities because I was too damn pissed off. Yeah. And um, it's just now, nowadays I'm, I'm turning over a new leaf or a new page in my chapter of just appreciating just everything good and bad and being able to just having the ability to appreciate it and, and not have, and not make it a negative a negative thing. And it, it has made a huge difference, a huge difference in my life. You know? So, um, I don't know. It's, it's been working. It's been working for me. So I, I really appreciate art. Yeah. I, I enjoy living out there in that part of Florida just because they have so many museums and stuff. Cause I grew up in California, so it's mm. all over the place. And yeah. when I came to the Midwest, it was a little bit more few and far between. I'm a couple hours from Kansas city. So like, you don't really get into the big city stuff. And so we have some yeah. small art museums where you go and it's pictures of the prairie. It's like, well, I can go out my back door and look at that. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's sunflowers and stuff. So it's just like, okay. So it's like, it's, you know, it doesn't get me thinking about anything. But uh, yeah. and so when I moved back to the Midwest, it was like, okay, so I have to find something else to kind of find that appreciation of life. And I think that's where my daughter came in because little kids, mm -hmm. like they're, they're in their own little world. and. Yeah simple oh, yeah. things still count and like I can watch her go out in the yard with a dandelion and she's just 
yeah, rocking it. And it's mm. just like, you see that innocence and it's just like, it brings you back. It's like, yeah. you know, like how beautiful things are and it kind of slows stuff down again and gets you out of like, okay, uh, can let work go for a second and just sit here and enjoy what's around me. Uh, we just got a setup to where you could just sit outside and you can hear the wind blowing through the trees where it sounds like it's raining or something. Yeah. And you just get out of your head for that moment and just be mm -hmm. in the moment. Not yeah. like thinking about what's coming 10 minutes from now, tomorrow, whatever. Just be in the moment. Yeah, I could dig it. Definitely dig that. It's probably that the hippie mentality of coming from Cali. <laughs> just I see. I'm all for it. I, yeah, no, man. I mean, I used to be all rugged, you know, rugged, uh, straight by the book. You would never. This, I mean, my hair. I, you know, this is a podcast. You probably can't see it, but I actually got long hair. I've never had long hair before. I was always high and tight for thirty plus years, man. Always had short hair. Never had facial hair. Now I'm like, fuck it, man. I get <laughs> this feels good. I like having long hair. I, I like having a beard. I like people when they see me, you know, in public, when I go to the grocery store and I'm, you know, especially with the mustache, when I have, when I'm, I call it full Spaniard, when I'm full Spaniard, when I have the mustache all, you know, nice and stringed out and everything, I get some looks and I love it. I, I love, I, I think maybe it's the shock value I'm, I'm looking for now. It used to be the adrenaline rush. Now it's the mm -hmm. shock value or the, 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 can I get a response from some, maybe that's the, uh, the entertaining element of of black sheep bravo maybe i don't know but it, it's fun i mean yeah uh, I, I do i can't wait to well, i shouldn't say that uh, i'm looking forward to going back into the public again because i do miss i do miss talking to people i mean i miss uh, i guess the drive-throughs i haven't been at a drive-thru I, I haven't i haven't left my house but i love talking to people you know the waitress waiters just to kind of see how, how what's going on in their world it's interesting to hear other people's day-to-day you know, what they're going, not as much what they're going through, but kind of lets me know, Hey, you know, everybody's got their shit, you know, everybody's got their bad days and good days. And it's always kind of nice to hear how they're dealing with it. And yeah. it kind of make, puts a, puts the humanity back in the, uh, into the string of things, I guess. Yeah. These times have been interesting. Cause like, for me, I'm an introvert. So this is like the world of the introverts dream, like going out. I think so. There's yeah. no people like I'm thriving. Like I'm by myself out here. Nobody yeah. wants to talk. Uh, it kind of cuts it off but then you realize like oh you know like I'm kind of like it this is the first podcast episode I've done in I think a month and it was like going into it, it was like man like I haven't talked to anybody because it gets so yeah. easy to yeah. kind of get in that like okay I'm by myself <laughs> like whatever and then you go by like oh man I haven't had human contact in a minute <laughs> like better get out but it's been interesting seeing because I live with high anxiety every day yeah. of my life and now i'm starting to see other people have it and so i feel calm so it's just I know. Like, is that weird <laughs> like i'm watching everyone else freak out i'm like but this this part's controllable <laughs> like yeah. all of a sudden i'm the one trying to make reason out of everything and she's like no no it's you'll be all right trust me i deal with this every day <laughs> like yeah it blows over eventually <laughs> it does yeah nothing nothing lasts you know this all this will blow over it always does yeah. nothing's permanent really tattoos tattoos yeah i was gonna say tattoos I, mean, yeah. I guess you get rid of those nowadays <laughs> yeah that's true yeah so nothing that's is permanent. but uh so i guess we're kind of coming to the end is there anything you want to well first is there anywhere people can reach you if they wanted to talk more with you or For sure come on yeah. black sheep bravo maybe or something like that yes definitely well our website is blacksheepbravo.com one word uh, and then that'll link you, everyone else, uh, everyone to our Facebook page. That's where we prom 
primarily broadcast from. That's where our captive audience is, uh, is Facebook. Uh, so that's where we pretty much operate from. So just look up for uh, look up Black Sheep Bravo. And uh, if you uh, need, I don't know, if you just want to bullshit with me, and, and I'm, 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 not, I'm not looking for any kind of, you know, special, you know, special guests or anything. I'm being sincere here. Um, if, if you have something that's on your mind, you want to shoot the shit, and you don't feel like talking to somebody else, I'm a great fucking listener. Uh, I'm just going to say that right now. Um, I, I try to understand as much as possible what a person is going through. So email me and then leave us a number, leave me a number. I will reach out to you. I mean, we get, um, it's, it's strange. Uh, Black Sheep Bravo has gotten a couple of emails a week from people who are struggling, not, not just only people, but family members. Hey, my, you know, my husband's not doing whatever, whatever the case, it's all confidential. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to blast it anywhere. And, it is, and if you leave me your number, I'll give you a call. Uh, you'll get a, you'll get a call from me and uh, we'll, sh we'll shoot the shit, man. Cause I'm here. And uh, my, my final, I don't know, I guess my final thought on, on everything and all this, whether it's during this pandemic or in general, um, we as veterans, again, we, we, we answered the call. We're, we're the 7%, the 7% warriors that, um, you know, we're a, a special, a special bond has been made and nothing, nothing out there is, uh, is until, you know, we could talk about anything and, um, it's always good to just let that out. So I have a number that you guys can call. It's 219-232-VETS. Again, simple, 219-232-8387. Uh, if, you're, if you're having something you want to be on the show or you got an idea for the show or you just want to chat, give me a call. Uh, use that number or our, our, uh, our uh, email address with the same number, same, same name, blacksheepbravo.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Anthony, for coming on here today. I really appreciate you taking an, an hour out of your time. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more episodes from Cruise Corner, make sure to subscribe. You can listen to episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or check us out on our very own CruiseCast located on the Cruise Corner website at www.cruisecorner.com. If you would like to be featured on a future episode, please contact us on our website or send us a DM on Instagram.